0: Hi, I'm Jennifer Carter, and thank you for joining me on a podcast for parents, teachers, and administrators. Today's conversation should be a good one, and I'm sure it's something on your mind. So let's get to it. All right, so thank you, Myra, for joining me on the podcast. Um, I, I like for people to put in their own words, what they do and what their background is. So tell us a little bit about you and your connection to kids and, and everything. All right. Thanks,
1: Jen. Um, so on my regards and I live currently on Long Island, uh, Jen and I know each other from college at Wittenberg university. So it's nice to uh, reconnect. I have a background, I started working in higher ed administration and student affairs so I worked on college campuses and then worked in independent schools as a administrator and diversity educator and um, then you know God has this funny sense of humor and shook all of that up, <laughs> and uh, I was called to be a youth minister in the Episcopal Church. So I work in the on the bishop's staff as the canon for youth and young adult ministries in the Episcopal Diocese of Long Island, and uh, work with about 130 churches doing ministry with young people sixth through 12th grade and then 18 to 18 to 30. Uh, so I, I really look at myself as a social justice educator, as a um, youth minister, as a person who really walks with young adults, young people, so that they can figure out, you know, what it is that God's calling them to do uh, and open those kind of opportunities and dreams up in their lives.
0: Hmm. So it's interesting that you, you frame it in terms of social justice. How do you see the overlap of you know, organized religion and social justice.
1: Well, for me, it's it's completely linked. And you know, the funny—I've been telling—I've been working as a consultant with a project called Baptized for Life, which is a discipleship initiative through my through the Episcopal Church. And so we talk a lot about our baptism stories, and uh, and really reclaiming this call, this invitation at baptism to. Uh, back to what it is that we're doing, our Christian vocation. Um, mm-hmm. And I went to a Catholic school for 12 years, um, two different schools actually, but my sister brother and I got baptized the same year. Uh, I was in fourth grade, no, excuse me, I was in sixth grade. My sister was in fourth grade, my brother was in eighth grade. And we were we hadn't been baptized because we came from more of a Baptist family tradition. Uh-huh. And we would, we would decide that. Uh, but it kept it kept us on the margins in ways when it came to the faith and the worshiping experience in a mm-hmm. Catholic school. So we were very connected we, um, outside of that, you know, good students, athletes, socially connected. But we had to sit in the pew when it was time to have communion or to be connected. So at one point we just said, we're ready to get baptized. And it was our choice. And we were both, we were all three of us were baptized on the at an easter vigil but you know this but i as i look at it and reflect about it and i talk to them about it as adults uh it's a story of being left out in a way mm-hmm. and to being kept on the margins uh interestingly enough we were black students in a very white community too so it felt like there were um like those issues were linked um whether they were or not in our um Youthful minds. There were there were ways that that played into that story, and so so part of my look at lens at justice is is how do we have an invitation that everyone is welcome all the time, um, and all parts of us are welcome, and you know believing in a in a Jesus story that I you know that I walk with, that that is what um, he gave us right, and continues to give us, and so. Uh, so I say to young people that I work with in, you know, ministry in church. Church is this. It's it is all of this. It is um, opening up this wide door um, of doing justice, um, love, mercy, and walk humbly with God. You know, in a Micah six eight kind of a context. Um, and so I I don't I don't have a way to separate that. Uh, I just think that it is it is us knowing. What Jesus gave us, and if we're gonna if we're gonna say that you know I'm a Christian and I believe in that, um, then that is that is what we're called to do.
0: Well, it's so interesting that you know the the Christianity that we see in the public eye doesn't look like the Christianity that you're describing, and you and I have probably similar experiences where our religious lives have been very much about equity issues, inclusion issues, making sure that um, poverty, um, that we, that there's more parity in, in wealth distribution and not in a, you know, social, you know, what a socialism type way, but just because if I have seven cups of milk, I can't drink all of them today. So I'll give you two, you know, almost like a practical, You know, you look at your abundance in practical terms, like how much do I need versus what do you need? But that's not always what we see when we hear about religion or when religion is discussed. Um, That's why I'm a 100% advocate of separation of church and state, like to the point where I didn't even want to get married (laughs) because I was like, not every person can get married, I, will, I would like to have a, a legal contract with you that says we are joined partners legally. But I was like, if we get married, we got to go to church for that. Because I, I don't see them as the same. And my husband was like, we're getting married. Come on. <laughs> um, but that's very different because so much religion is political or politicized. How do you help young people hear God versus hearing a politician, because they're not the same. You know, that's that's like classic church and state from back. That's why the pilgrims left, right? Because the king said, oh, I talk to God all the time. Here's what you guys are supposed to do. You know, how do you get young people to say, like get themselves into a space away from social media and all that external noise so they can actually hear God and, and separate religion from, everything politics for example
1: right it is it is a muddy mess that i think we have uh as people co-opted uh you know organized religion and um in a variety of denominations that make it uh hard i mean i know i was a young person who stepped away for a while cuz i thought it wasn't that i didn't have a belief in god or that my faith was gone but it was i don't have time for this uh, mm-hmm. Kind of bickering and nonsense or spaces that say my lgbtq sisters and brothers are not as welcome as i am right um and and it's funny you say that stuff about marriage i think i was struggling too about what are the roles that we say that that in my case is a woman marrying a man would what what is my now responsibility that the church is giving me uh you know so i have a hard time with that and watching some of those uh, models, and I think young people are watching us. Right, they're watching what we're doing, they're watching what we're saying, um, mm. and feeling sometimes like there's hypocrisy. I think, um, you know, one thing I've been, you know, I've learned and uh, am trying to pass along is sort of this notion we talk about a rule of life, mm. um, and giving young people, and and, you, and that can start from such a young age, right? I have a friend who has twins, and trying to get them at four to do some meditation in silence um, and figuring out how to self-soothe. Like we talked about that with babies early on, but it really is something that we have to keep building as as children, Mm -hmm. as as young people, you know, as youth and as as adults. Um, You know, this idea of taking time for yourself to stop um, and think to pray or to talk to God or to talk to what feels like your higher power if you're not in a context that says, I really believe in God or understand that. Um, to take some time for silence. I think um, taking time to move your body or to exercise. Um, I, one thing we try to do is to like really connect with scriptures in a way and biblical stories, right? So with children, um, I think, too, about how uh, education should be this full on experience. And I want uh, as much as you're teaching them, you know, math, science, how can they be fully engaged in conversations? Like, do they understand a story about creation, about Noah and the ark, about Moses? Like, can they engage fully with their peers and other and adults about just sort of historical context and what is it that we believe? Um, so I think if we start to look at scriptures and have conversations about it and have wondering questions like I'll offer young people a chance to question and to hear our questions I think sometimes as adults we are afraid that we don't have the right answer and to just own I don't have that answer and I don't know sometimes I I don't understand what the what Jesus was saying in that story but let's look it up and you know Google is always our friend to get uh you know, additional input about what, what, what a story is saying, what a gospel story is saying.
0: Mm. It's so funny because that's how I was raised in religion. You know, um, I've been a ELCA Lutheran since I was eight years old. My aunt took me to St. James Lutheran Church and on Hayden Avenue in East Cleveland. And um, I had a white pastor and his wife was African-American and the neighborhood was African-American. And he would always talk about that, like you said, that kind of, here's a story, what does this say about being different? What does this say about, and and it was a poor neighborhood, what does this say about our obligation to poor people? Mm -hmm. We used to have, um, and I grew up in the, the 80s and 90s, you know, height of the crack era. So we literally would have people who were high on crack or drunk stumble in, in the middle of the service and they would just start, you know, um, I remember one time, oh my God, my pastor used to do this to us all the time. This man came in and he was like, I hear what you're saying, but what do you know? And he was like, well, I'm teaching, you know, from this scripture, blah, 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 blah. And he said, well, tell you what, listen to what I have to say. And then after I'm done, I'll listen to you. Jennifer, show him where we are in the, and I was like, so I had to go and get this man and sit him down. And here's where we are in the program. Read this, sing this, stand up. And I, I, you know, and anytime someone would come in, he would pick one of us to do this. And we didn't have a choice. But what it, you know, years later, when I talked to Pastor Gehagen and I remind him of these things, what it taught was, I didn't have the right to be pissed off that that man smelled bad or to be high. That is for him and God to have a conversation about. He's another person who came into our, in our home, our church home, and I have to be a gracious host, you know, And years later, you know, that's what I, what I took away from that is how do you invite someone in so they can have their conversation with God, you know, Mm -hmm. and when I, you know, at our school, you know, at Oak tree, both in San Bernardino and Los Angeles, you know, we teach our kids, it's it's not, they're not religious schools, but they are schools with that in mind. When people come into our space how can we be gracious? How can we extend mercy and grace to them? I don't call it that because like I said, it's, it's, it's inclusive. Anybody can come to the school, but that's really what it's about. Mm-hmm. And I think that that piece about meditating and that pause is you don't then get to say, well, I'm not friends with that person, or you don't get to say, well, that person's not like me you pause and you're like, oh, you know, I got to be gracious. And then you lead with that, which I think is that's like the spiritual gift that we're talking about and extending to people. Um, I feel like it's hard for people who. Have not experienced church like we have to understand that's why we have the faith we have, Mm -hmm. because they've had experiences that are so much different than that. You know, how do you bridge that? How do you help people who may have had a, a, you know, an experience that says some people are bad, and then reconcile it with what we say is exactly the opposite, which is because they're bad, you know, maybe that's when that's how you extend grace to them. Like, how do you do that? You know, with yeah. with both the kids and the adults, because their parents ultimately have to buy into this malarkey too. <laughs> yeah. Hey there, if you've gotten this far into the episode, chances are that you really like what you're listening. I'm going to ask you to press pause and share this particular episode with five people that you think would really enjoy listening to it. I'm also going to ask that you subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. And now let's get back to the conversation.
1: I think it's, you know, it's this notion of, uh... We would say something like seeing the face of God in others um, or seeing this notion of love. Like, right, So if I don't have a picture of what God looks like or this faith, I think it is, uh, you, you know, your story is that, uh, you know, being a, a child in a church welcoming anyone or it is how do I see myself in other people? Um, how or how can I see what is beloved and beautiful in other people? people. Um, and then, you know, welcome them fully, right. And also, uh, you know, share something special that I have, and then try to receive something from them. Uh, you know, if it's it's just that, if we uh, don't allow ourselves, or we don't allow our children the opportunity to reach out and connect to other people, we'll continue to be in these, you know, sort of isolated communities, these isolated um connections with folks who are maybe just like us or um you know it doesn't help elevate them to a place where they are um sharing and receiving we, we don't know what we will receive unless we put ourselves in a place to connect um you know i I often ask kids about, you know, experiencing, like, you know, take walks around your community. Um, we sometimes call it a prayer walk, but you don't have to call it that. You could, um, you know, just think of it as an experiential walk where you're noticing uh, people, uh, you're noticing nature, you're noticing uh, what are the buildings, what's the architecture like, what is happening here. Um, and then sometimes adventuring, you know, with your children to another community to see and witness what's different about this community compared to, to ours. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes when we're doing say a prayer walk, it might be that you do say a little prayer or give some, um, positive thoughts or energy toward, uh, what it is that you're witnessing, um, or something that you would hope that would change, um, or, or to be different. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also think, you know, sometimes it's, you know, as parents, like now the beautiful thing is we're in this virtual world and, and how do we find, you know, so you could go to church anywhere if you wanted. It's like, say you have this notion that I don't know what to do. How do I get, how do we even enter in? This hasn't been my background or it's been so long. I feel embarrassed. You know, so you don't have to even be embarrassed. Like we can just pop into um, any church space or kind of worship space across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes they're offering sort of like Sunday school or things like that. And um and listen, right? Or uh there are, you know, many websites that are offering sort of faith at home opportunities where where I do think that it is this interdenominational, this, you know, that helps, right? When when adults are able to be to risk enough to share what it is that we're feeling and experiencing and what does it mean. Uh, our children get to process that with us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, also another opportunity might be thinking about, you know, vacation Bible school, uh, VBS. So there's some, there are people who do this in the summer, right? You, you don't have to necessarily have a be a member of that church or that faith tradition. And they offer in community in the neighborhood uh, a chance to For children to be together and maybe share biblical stories and experiences and activities Mm -hmm. throughout the course of a week. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of those have moved online too because, uh, you know, the the notion of the pandemic. Um, But it, but I think having children look at, you know, each day, maybe even asking questions like, where did you experience something good? What was something challenging today? You know, as you're processing through your meal or your drive or your bedtime connection, you know, before the story or after the story or mm-hmm. um, before you say good night, it, it is, you know, you may frame it in where did you see something that brought you joy? Uh, where did you see God? Where was something that made you feel sad or disappointed? Um, was there something that you wanted to change about uh, something that happened today? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so it may be that it is, um, you know, really sort of God-specific or faith-specific or something connected to a Jesus story, if you have that, um, or, you know, your tradition is, um, you know, as a as a Muslim or as a Jewish person or as a Buddhist, but, uh, but it also can be that we're just inviting our children into an awareness mm-hmm. that is outside of themselves mm-hmm. and and focused on others.
0: So, what you're really saying is, framing whether it's spirituality or even something that's more agnostic, mm-hmm. it's still about the connection, and it's still about the reflection on how we connect. Yes. You know? um, and it's it's interesting that you talk about questioning. I had a, a you know very conservative teacher, you know, religion teacher in high school and he always said faith is not real faith unless you question it and doubt it because faith is that's what it is you don't know if this is real and you have to always question it and and i like the idea of questioning without being self-conscious about it without letting that over like You know, question and doubt, and just because you have questions, then you're not a believer. Just because you have questions, you are a believer. You know, that whole idea of of questioning for reflection is universal. It doesn't have to be attached to a particular religion. And and it's so funny that we talk about meditation and mindfulness, because those are those are tenets that are very much part of that questioning and praying. Mm -hmm. You know, so Again, whether you're a religious person or a person that doesn't have a faith background, you still are connected because you still use the same fundamental tools to get to that part of you where you know there is something to explore to bring out the best in you and to connect with other people. Yeah. You know, it's. My job as a as an early childhood educator and, you know, elementary educator is easier, believe it or not, because we actually do focus on social and emotional growth with children. But the irony is the older kids get and the more they need that, the less it's taught intentionally and even assessed. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. By the time you graduate from high school and there's cliques and choices about drugs and sex and who knows whatever, social and emotional training has long since stopped, you know, and that's what you need it most. But I think having someone like you, where you get to explore that, but just in a different name, I think helps people, again, reflect differently so that they move in the world differently, you know. Mm
1: And I think I think we have to as adults not be afraid to, um, you know, ask the questions and let whatever comes out comes out. Right. And particularly as young people get older, if there's not a safe space to explore um, the, the the confusion and all of the messaging that's coming at them, we're just doing a we're doing them a disservice and mm-hmm. we're being naive. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and and you know there's there's so much access to information that um we didn't have and we and how do we walk with them and support them if we're not prepared or we don't find partners right so maybe if as a parent i said like i can't take this i can't have this conversation but who is that who is that auntie uncle loved beloved friend who who can handle it with you and support you you know i just called a friend the other day and i said uh, sweetheart, I need you to look at your daughter's social media. And she said, oh, and I said, yeah, I think we're okay, but I need you, you, her, her parents need to pay attention to this right now. And so, and that's, and that's part of the beauty of it is that it's not, um, we, we can't do it alone. We can't, you know, chastise a child. We can't, but it's just, but it's, we if we walk together, you know, so her, her auntie friend here, um, <laughs> Miss Myra noticed some things. And so I'm just trying to help, um, you know, support the parents uh, yeah. and uh, figure out where we can, you know, talk about different things that need to be talked about. So mm-hmm. um, I, I was thinking of something else too, and I, I've kind of like drawn a blank, but I think, um, it you know, experiences, oh, I know I was thinking about like justice. We were talking about this just notion sort of justice and how the church uh, has really walked in justice movements. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that that's where we kind of get confused right now about this story that happens too. Um, you know, one thing that I was doing with in a retreat with high school students the last few years was, we explored because it's the Episcopal Church justice movements that the church has been involved in, mm. you know, from the ordination of women to um slavery or Jim Crow or um rights for LGBTQ folks or um women. And 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 so having young people work, do some of the research and activism. Uh, you know, right now Dr. Gates is doing a series on the Black Church right. on PBS. Right. And so looking at the how the Black Church was so heavily linked to what happened in the civil rights movement and the the shifts that there was a place to organize and so i do think that you know there's there has been a way that the church has abused and hurt and harmed people let's not play games like we we know those stories too but i do think that there are ways that we can look at let's look at both sides of where um where there has been positive growth and change Mm -hmm. uh, from from from, from from a belief that um, all of God's children are beloved, that we all are beloved and we all deserve
0: mm-hmm. the best things. I mean, I look at the controversies in the church as, you know, those are humans. And humans, there's that's the fullness of hum, human nature and humanity. You know, how you react to that, how you deal with that, that's the conversation with God because God is not of that, that's separate. You know, just because somebody is acting up in their church, it doesn't mean that God is acting up, you know? And like you said, there's so many examples of Buddhists and Christians and Jews and Muslims, all fighting to make sure that at the at the core that other people are safe, physically, mentally, psychologically safe. That's really what you're talking about. When you look at Gandhi, he wanted people to be safe. When you look at Martin Luther King, He wanted people to be safe when you look at Joan of like you can go through the gamut. And so helping young people, like you said, look at that history and see how organization, whether it's religious or, you know, Black Lives Matter or, you know, national organization or whatever your your organization is, but that idea of organization for for social justice. There's a lot of examples in the church that that are a blueprint for how to do this and have an impact, even without social media. You know, so I think it's a great resource, and it sounds like you're doing fantastic work. Those kids are so lucky to have you. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. You're
1: so sweet. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I and I'm and I'm lucky to have them. I think that um, you know, like we look at movements that young people are doing now. Um, you know, March for Our Lives. Look how these young people have shifted. Um, uh, what our our take and our view on gun violence, and what what needs to happen legislatively, mm-hmm. uh, the climate justice work that young people are doing, Black Lives Matter. Uh, you know, we've got to get out of the way and help create space for them to shift. Like we've that's what we've seen, right? We've seen young people. Um, make movement you know create movements that have affected all the change in this country and so Mm. uh, i think if we help them look at themselves in a lens that says you know what i i'm gonna make space for other folks we're gonna walk hand in hand and get some stuff done uh, and use our brilliant thinking and um connect with you know adults that can help support that you know change is bound to happen Uh, Mm. so so i'm gonna stay in it
0: i'm sorry I said positive change. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, I just want to thank you for having this conversation with me. I think it's super important. Um, faith is a huge part of my life. It is the reason I got myself into this this whole preschool world. God was like, go ahead. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, and it's nice to be able to have a conversation with somebody who gets that, you know. So, yeah,
1: I'll be praying for Learning Tree and you and Mr. C and uh, all of your families. And so I, it's, it's amazing work that you're doing. I'm, glad, I'm uh, honored to be with you to talk about this.
0: Excellent. So that's our conversation for today. I hope you found some information that was interesting or a perspective that you hadn't thought of. If you like what you heard, or even if you have some feedback, put a comment in our comment section. Be sure to like our page and make sure that you subscribe so that you can hear when the next video comes out. Thanks so much again for joining us.